Well, come on. That's good. Awesome. Thank you. Man, this, this, is, this is not a short man's podium. Man, it is so good to be back with you again at Hillside Church. My wife and I, uh, we've been coming for several years uh, since before you were even in this building. Uh, and so it's always good each year to come uh, and see what God's doing at Hillside. And I just want to say, uh, obviously, thank you for that uh, generous introduction, Pastor Paul. But I want to thank you as well for your generosity, you and your wife and your team. Every time we come, you need to know this. We sit, we have dinner together, and, and really all they talk about is you and what God is doing here and what God is doing in you and for you and through you. And I just tell you what, they, they, they do you well. They represent you well uh, as hosts. And I just want to say thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your hospitality. Uh, and can, can we just do this for a second before we do anything else? Can we just honor your pastor and his wife? I mean, come on, let's do it. You do it. Come on. Man, I'll tell you what. It's so good. It's, uh, we're going to talk a lot about influence today. And, you know, many of you have been influenced by this couple and their leadership. And so we're thankful uh, for you in this church, but in the body of Christ as well. Uh, if we've never met, uh, I am from um, Texas via Manchester, England. If you're wondering what the accent is, it's like that's the strangest Texas accent I've ever heard. That's because I was not born there, but I got there as quick as I could. All the Texans said, amen. All right. Well, it's so it is good to, ha to be here. I want to introduce my wife real quick. Babe, if you just wave at us real quick. She's down here on the front row. She is the better half, no doubt. Good to be here. And I bring greetings from Grace Creek Church in Longview, Texas. We share a mission, if you're not aware of that, reaching people and building lives. We've given our life to it, and I know there's some of you here in this church uh, and in this room that you've given your life to it. I even have some ex-Grace Creekers, Kentucky transplants over here as well. Come on, reaching people. You can't get away from reaching people and building lives. Everyone say the word influence. Say it like you mean it. There you go. There you go. Is it okay if I move this forward just a little bit? I don't want to mess the camera up or anything like that. I want to remind you today that if you're a follower of Jesus... If you're a Christ follower, if you're a committed follower of Christ, then you're called to do something. Did you know that? Two of us. Fantastic. Did anybody else know that? <laughs> Sir in the back, I see you. Yeah, come on, me and you. All right. If you're a committed follower of Jesus, you are called by God to be an agent of change in a lost and dying world. How many of you know the world needs some Jesus today? The world needs some more of the Lord. The world, the world needs some more of God's word. And if you're new here at Hillside, we encourage you to take notes. Write something down in your worship guide. There's an area for you to write notes. But I want you to write this down because this is important. Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I'm sorry. I like the church to talk to me, Pastor Paul. Is that okay? I said that's a big deal. That you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Not just the salt of the city. Not just the salt of this region. But the salt of the world. The light of the world. And they are. Come on, somebody. I want you to realize who Jesus says that you are. 
I'm going to take you to the book of Matthew. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you have a Bible and you're kind of new to the Bible and you're not sure where Matthew is, just open to the middle, turn to the right a little bit, and you'll find a bunch of names. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus speaking. How many of you know when Jesus speaks, you better listen up? Yeah, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So this is Jesus talking to his followers. Are there any followers of Jesus here today? So he's talking to me and he's talking to you and you might go, well, okay, this is good. And I've kind of read that before and I've heard it. Not sure really what it means. Well, good, because we're going to talk about what it means. What did Jesus mean when he said, you are the salt of the earth? Well, in context, when Jesus was speaking to the people that were right there, they would have all known that salt was the second greatest commodity on the planet at the time. Sun being number one, salt being number two. In fact, in ancient Rome, I don't know if you know this or not, but people used to be paid in salt. At the end of the day, they would get their salt, which is where we get our expression, he ain't worth his salt. Anybody ever heard that before? You may wonder where it came from. It came, it came from ancient Rome. That's how important salt was in the time of Jesus talking to these people here. And he's saying, listen, this is what you are. You're valuable. You're valuable. So Jesus is saying, listen, you've been changed by a really good God. Can anyone say amen? You've been changed by a really, really good God. And that transformation now, as it is moving in your heart and moving through who you are, you are now called to be an agent of change to a lost and a dying world. You're, you're called to be an, a Christ-empowered influencer in this region, in this region. And so let's just get real technical for a second. Let's talk about salt, like real salt. Okay, what is salt good for? If you're taking notes, I've giving you a few things we can write down. First of all, salt preserves. Write that down. Salt preserves. If you, as a follower of Jesus, you're a believer, you're a Christian, you should be a divine preserver of life. Preserver of life. Helping people to find life. Helping people to find the light of the world. Jesus himself. Helping people to get saved. Come on, somebody. Helping them to experience eternal life. So salt preserves. Here's another one. It purifies. Salt purifies. Now, we live in a very impure world. We do. And uh, we as followers of Jesus, we should be an agent of purification. An agent of purification representing the kingdom of God. Representing the kingdom of light and holiness to a very, very impure world. By the way, this is a great checklist. As I read these thoughts... For you to go, okay, am I doing that? Am I doing that? Man, am am I helping to preserve life? Am I helping people to find Jesus? Am I helping to bring purification to my family, to my workplace? Jesus says I'm the salt. Okay, so am I doing what salt does? Here's something else it does. It creates a thirst. Anyone had a really salty something? You're like, man, I need a drink. I need something. Salt creates A thirst. And as a believer, as a Christ-empowered influencer, when you're full of God's transforming love and power, let me tell you what will happen. You'll create a thirst in people around you that don't have that. You will. It's what salt does. They're going to look at you and go, I don't know what it is, 
I don't know why you're so full of joy. I don't know how to describe even what I'm feeling, but whatever it is, I want some of that. I want some of that. Salt creates a thirst. Here's another one. Uh, Salt also melts stuff. It melts. If you're ever in the snow, you guys have a little bit more snow up here than I think we do in Texas. You know, we had a, we had a, a snow flurry in Texas this, earlier this year, and they called it Snowmageddon um, because they don't see snow in East Texas and don't know how to drive in it. Praise God. If anyone in Texas is watching, I love you. Praise God. But when it snows and when you have ice, what do we do? We salt the sidewalks. And that salt does what? It begins to break it down. It begins to melt away the ice. And in the same way as a follower of Jesus, a Christ-empowered follower of Jesus, as we share the love of God with people, it will melt the hardness in people's hearts. It will melt away the ice that's formed in our hearts that separates us from God. And that's what me and you should be doing as followers of Jesus. Here's one more. Let me give you one more. Salt heals. It heals. Have you ever been in the ocean or a salt pool, you know, whenever you had a cut on your knee or in your hand or something that you didn't even know was there? And you get in the water and you're like, man, what is that? You're like, man, I got a little scratch right here. What's the salt doing? It's healing. It's speeding up the healing process in the same way, Hillside Church, in the same way, being filled with the Spirit of God. Healing can begin to come through you. And flow through you to help people that have been lost, to help people that have been hurt, either in church or out of church, de-church, no church, other things. As you as a divine agent of change, you're the salt of the earth. How you doing with this, church? How you doing with this? Everybody say, I am the salt of the earth. Do you believe it? All right, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Let's go back to the story here real quick. Uh, Jesus said in verse 14, you are the light of the world. And then he goes on to say, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. Now, again, in context, let me help you ex- explain to you what Jesus was talking about right here. Everyone listening at the time would have understood what a Palestinian home looked like, you know, because they would have all had one window, one window in the entire home. I couldn't live in a home like that, could you? I need some windows. Anybody else share that? Man, I need some sunlight. I need some sunlight. But these homes would have had one window. And at the end of a day, as they would come home, each family would have to light their candle. Can you imagine how difficult it would be without a lighter or a match to light a candle every single day? And so they would get about business of lighting the candle. And what they would do if they would ever leave the house in the evening, they would take a bowl that had a hole in the bottom of it, turn it upside down, and put it over that candle so that it didn't blow out, so that all the energy wasn't wasted. And as the little hole was there, the candle could continue to breathe and their light wouldn't go out. It would keep on burning. And so they all understand this context. And as Jesus is talking to them, hey, you don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, you want people to see the light. You want people to benefit from the light. And he's saying that to us as believers. Don't ever cover your light up. And I'm saying to you today, watching online, don't ever cover your light up. Followers of Jesus, don't ever cover your light up. Because when you do, those around you can't benefit from the light that's inside 
of you. Verse 16 says this. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they might see your good deeds. And then watch this. Praise you. Ah, what does it say? Praise, praise your father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The world needs salt because it's impure. You need to add some flavor to their life. That flavor's name is Jesus. The world needs light because it's dark. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? You're the salt and the light. It's not just something that I'm saying. It's what Jesus said. It's what he said about me. It's what he said about you. And because you're the light, church, in a world that's growing increasingly dark, I just want to encourage you not to run from the darkness. When you're the light, you don't run from the darkness. Watch this. You shine into the darkness because it's the light that chases away the darkness. How is the light ever going to chase away the darkness if all those that carry a candle blow it out or run away every time they see something dark? I just want to challenge you a little bit today as followers of Jesus. He called you salt. He called you light. How are you doing with this as followers of Jesus? You see, it can very easily at times become all about us in church world. You know, I want to do this, and I want to have that, and I want to have my own parking space, and I want to sit in my chair, and I don't like that song, and I don't like the way the pastor dresses it today, and I don't like the, and it's like, you know what? At the end of the day, who cares? This is not a Christian social club. I can say that because I know your pastor, and I know his heart. It's not a Christian social club. We're not building a Christian social club. We're building an army of Jesus that's going to reach people and build lives. There's six of us excited about this. We're going to get there. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be awesome. Everybody say, I am the salt of the earth. Say, I am the light of the world. Say, I am a Christ-empowered influencer. And my life will make a difference. You know, sometimes you just have to look in the mirror and tell yourself something, don't you? Like, you should go to the gym, Matt. Like, you should stop eating fried food or you should whatever. Anybody ever looked at yourself and you have to just kind of tell yourself something? Let me tell you, you're in good company. If you've ever read the Bible, David had to tell himself all the time, you will rejoice in the Lord. Oh, my soul, why are you so downcast? And so I just challenge you as a believer, as a follower of Christ, maybe you need to look at yourself a little bit and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you being salt? Are you being light? Because it's, I, mean, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It's who you are. It's who you are. Jesus said it. Um, well, pastor, I don't know. I know you're excited, you know, and this isn't, you know, your church and, you know, and I don't know enough yet. No, it's who you are. When you know who you are, you know what to do. Amen? It's the truth. If you're a Christian, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I want to give you two motivating thoughts in our time together today that I pray will just drive deep into your heart, deep into your soul, that you are indeed what Jesus said that you are and what I'm saying you are today. And so, again, I want you to write these down if you're able to. Uh, The first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. As the light... Me and you, we need to make a decision to let it shine. Now, I'm not talking about a cute Sunday school song that maybe you learned when you are at VBS. I'm talking about as a follower of Jesus, we need to let our light, everyone say it, shine. We need to let our light shine. And as a Christian, you don't have to force it. You don't have to force it. What are you doing? I'm just trying to let my light shine. 
No, you just do it because of who's in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Do you believe this? Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the light. It's not because of anything you've done. It's not because of how bright you might be, but it's all about Jesus. And when you understand who he is and when you understand what he's done for you, it's just a natural overflow. And you as a follower, you let your light shine. There's a great story uh, in Acts in chapter 16. I'm sure some of you have read this story. You're probably familiar with a couple of the guys in this story. But these are, these are two guys who impacted their culture. Not just like their township or their city, but I'm talking like an entire culture. Uh, even us today at some level, uh, you'll understand why here in just a second. Uh, because they understood who they were. They understood that they were salt and that they were light. Their names are Paul and Silas. Has anybody ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Okay, good. I mean, he's a pretty significant character. You know, like wrote half the New Testament. Pretty significant guy. And this is a story about how they were miraculously transformed by the power of Jesus. And the way they lived miraculously transformed other people's lives as well. And so if you're not familiar with the story, I'll give you the 30,000 foot version, okay? They, they were so fired up about Jesus and about how he transformed their life, miraculously transformed their life. Everywhere they went, you couldn't shut these people up about Jesus. You just couldn't stop them from talking about Jesus. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? How am I doing with that? We all need to work on this. And so everywhere they went, they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the transformation that they've experienced. And the religious authorities of the day didn't like it. And they asked them to stop. And they told them to stop. And they would arrest them and beat them. Arrest them and beat them. Arrest them and beat them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They would arrest, and they simply wouldn't stop talking about Jesus and the change that he'd made in their life. And there's this little introductory part of their story where it basically says that they were stripped and that they were flogged. They were put in prison and their legs were put into stocks. Um, and so typically, if you're anything like me and you're reading the Bible, you read over that and you think, oh, man, they're having a bad day. <laughs> I just want to pause for just a second and let's talk about how bad this day really was. I mean, we're talking like this is bad. I mean, imagine just for a second. Let's start at the top. Let's imagine you being stripped naked in public. Let's just start there. I mean, talk about humiliating. I mean, we're talking like, my goodness gracious. Then they were beaten. Then they were flogged. More than likely 39 times across the back with a whip that had glass and stones tied into it designed to rip your flesh off. I mean, we're talking like serious, serious injury to your body. Stripped down naked, whipped, thrown into a dungeon. Then their legs put in stocks. Now, You've got probably this picture in your head of, of like the stocks and this, that, and the other. But let me, let me give you a, a, another picture, okay? This is not graphic or gross, so don't worry about it. But I just want to give you a picture because you'll all know it. How many of you have ever broken a wishbone at Thanksgiving? Okay, I want that picture in your mind, okay? This instrument of torture was designed to do just that. And they would stretch their legs as far apart as they could with their rear on the ground, lock them in these stocks which would induce cramping all throughout their body that they could do nothing about. When was the last time you had like a Charlie horse at nighttime? You're jumping around and you're like, oh, I've got to fix it, i got to fix it. you got to move, right? 
Imagine this. I mean, this is like torture. This is a bad, bad, bad day. What do you think Paul and Silas were doing at the end of this really, really bad day? Scripture tells us, Acts 16, verse 25. It was about midnight. And Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I don't know if you know what you even sang this morning at this church. But we sang about this moment right here. This moment. I will not let my praise uh, stop. I won't let it stop. I'm going to let it come out. No one can hold it back. This is the story we're talking about right here. And this part of this story is absolutely amazing to me. Because just because of who they were and what Jesus had done in their life. They couldn't let their light stop shining. I mean, talk about a bad day. How are you doing at the end of a bad day? Do you let your light shine? Man, I can guarantee you that Paul and Silas didn't have an emergency meeting when they got their legs in stocks in the prison and everything, all the dust settled and they're there. And all of a sudden they look around and they go, hey, Paul, what? There's sinners in here. There's some sinners in here. What should we do? What do you mean there's some sinners in here? I can't see. My legs are in stocks. I, what, I mean, what should we do? We need to let our light shine. Um, what's your memory verse from last week? I can't remember that. Get your Bible. I can't reach my Bible. My legs are in chain. I can't move. Um, you want to sing something? I don't know. We got to let our light. I promise you that didn't happen. I promise you that didn't happen. Because of where they were and because of who Jesus was in them, it just came out of them. It just came out of them. What comes out of your mouth when you're stressed? What comes out of your mouth when you're pressed on all sides? Because what came out of their mouth was, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. Just like we did this morning. Praise came out of their very being. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. And so as they were doing this, they were really reflecting The love of Jesus, right? Out of their heart to the prisoners that were in the room. A little bit like the moon, okay? You ever been outside at nighttime and the moon's just massive? It's huge. It's gorgeous. You get your phone out to take a picture and it catches this like little pinprick of a moon. And you're like, what the heck? That moon's massive. How many of you have been there before? You're like, I don't know. iPhone needs to fix that. iPhone needs to fix that. Let's just get technical about the moon for a second. That bright, shining moon that's amazing. Is the moon really bright? The answer is no. What's bright? The sun. And what's the moon doing? Simply reflecting the sun. And as a believer, that's your job as well. You may not be bright, but it's your job to reflect the sun. In your case, it's S-O-N, the son of God. You just reflect the light of the son of God around you. People will look at it and go, wow, that's amazing. Wow, that's awesome. Are they talking about you? No, they're talking about the power of Jesus in me. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say that? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to confess him daily. I'm going to confess him publicly. Anywhere and everywhere I go, I'm not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would never hide my faith. I would never put my light under a bowl. I'll shine it. I'll let it go everywhere, all the time. I'm going to let it shine. And you know, as a believer... There's really only one of two reasons why your light is struggling. If your light's not shining bright today, 
This might help some of you, okay? Really one of two reasons. Number one, you're hiding it, and I pray that you take the bowl off. Or number two, your spiritual enemy is trying to blow it out. He's trying to blow that light out in your life. And if that's you today, I pray that the Spirit of God would reignite your fire for Jesus. Reignite a passion for the lost in your heart and that you would let your light shine. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done in your place. If Jesus never did anything else for you, it's more than enough. It's more than enough. Anyone believe that today? Man, come on. We're going to let it shine anywhere, all the time. It's who you are. I'm talking about being a follower of Jesus. I am not talking about going to church. Are you guys hearing me? I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about being a religious person. I'm talking about being a follower of Jesus Christ. When you know him, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. Anyone been transformed by Jesus in here? Yeah, come on. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's give it away anywhere, all the time. Jesus, you're in the front of my mind. It's my greatest joy to represent you in this region that you've placed me, in this church that you've placed me. We love God. We trust God. It's just a natural overflow, a natural overflow. Let me just help you with this. When you go out into public, when you go to a restaurant, when you go to the grocery store, I just challenge you. There should be something different about a follower of Jesus than somebody that's not a follower of Jesus. People around you should be like drawn to the light, like moths are to a lamp outside at night. Those that are far from Christ should be drawn to those that are followers of Jesus. And so I just want to challenge you today, watching online at home and here in the room, I want to challenge you to let your light shine. So what Paul and Silas did in this story, and you're going to see as we move through this story, it's powerful. Something happened. Something changed in the environment. Watch this. Verse 6. As they were singing and praising, suddenly. Everyone say suddenly. suddenly. Come on. All good stories have a suddenly. Say it again. Say suddenly. suddenly. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake. God shows up and starts to show off a little bit. Come on, somebody. And the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. You've got to be kidding me. The jailer woke up, and when he saw, this is important, when he saw that the prison doors were open, he did what? He drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. Let me help you. Here was the penalty for a prison guard to lose an inmate. Death. That was the penalty under Roman law. And so he knew, man, the doors are opened. Man, what the heck? All the prisoners are gone. They've escaped. And he's like, I'm just going to take care of it myself. I'm just going to kill myself. I'm just going to get it over with. But in verse 28, Scripture records, Paul shouts, don't do it. Don't harm yourself. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. And that's amazing to me on several levels. Because if God busted me out of prison, chances are pretty good. He gone. He gone. <laughs> he is out of there. He is out of there. I'm out of here, baby. That's the jailer. That's the bad guy. That's the guy that put me in these stocks. I'm out of here. I am gone. And that's what so many Christians do today. That's what we do today when they look and they see darkness. They look and they see bad people. They're like, oh, I got to get away. No, shine into it. 
shine into it. Be an agent of change. Salt and light. Salt and light. Salt and light. Man, this is how this man's life was changed in this moment. Not because of an earthquake, but because he saw something in followers of Jesus that caused him to go, what is that? What is that? Powerful stuff, okay? So they stick around. They say to the guy, don't harm yourself. Don't hurt yourself. We're still here. And then this guy just... He asked this question, which is a powerful moment here in just a second. It's just unbelievable. I'll get you there in a second. But I want to remind you that they showed love to those that were broken. They showed love to those that were lost. You know, it hurts my heart and it probably hurts the heart of God. When a follower of Jesus, a professing follower of Jesus, you know, hurts somebody or is rude to somebody else. It's like, come on, don't forget who you are. We're an ambassador of Jesus. Show love. At the grocery store. Show love at the drive-thru. Come on, somebody. Any drive-thrus test some of your religions? Man, that's one. I always need to get saved after I've come through a drive-thru. It's like, Lord, help me. You know, and I have to remember that I'm a pastor, and I probably pastor the people that are in the drive-thru. So it's like, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. But man, have a heart, right? Have a heart for those that are far from Jesus. Hey, Jesus died for them. You know, a lot of Christians... Forget that. They think he just died for like, you know, us. No, he died for them too. He died for all of mankind. I like this pastor. I'm excited too, but I don't know. I don't know enough yet. I don't know enough Bible yet. No, it's who you are. I'm just talking about who you are. Jesus said, this is who you are. And let me help you about the people outside of Hillside Church. The people out there. Here's what I've learned. Most people out there don't care how much you know. They just want to know how much you care. That's right. How much do you care, church? How much do you care for the lady down the street at the gas station? How much do you care for the guy at the drive-thru? How much do you care for the people in the carpool line when school's back in? Praise God. (sighs) These are good questions, right? How much do I care? How much do I care? How much do I care? Because you can minister to people in such a profound way when you actually care for them. My wife is the best at this. You know, we just made comment of it just the other night at dinner. You know, she will never sit down at dinner without, without introducing herself and asking the waiter or the waitress's name. And you'll watch the waiter who's just kind of doing their thing, kind of stony, kind of cold, like become a family friend by the end of the conversation. Anybody else good at that? You're kind of good at that? I mean, you're natural at that? That's good stuff. I think that's what we're supposed to be like as followers of Jesus. People are going to warm up to as your saltiness melts away the ice. Come on, somebody. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be powerful. So we have an amazing opportunity every single day to shine the light into the darkness, into the darkness. Okay. All right. Let's go to number two. Okay. Second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. You need to understand that your salt and light living changes people's lives. It changes people's lives lives. Verse 29 of chapter 16, Paul's still there. They're standing around. They just said, we're still here. Watch this. The jailer called for the lights. He called for the lights and he came rushing in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them outside and he asked the most powerful, biggest complimentary question anybody could ask any follower of Jesus Christ anywhere. Basically, he said, I've seen your life. I've seen your faith. I've seen your unwavering passions. And he said this, sirs, what must I do 
to be saved. What must I do to be saved? I want what you have. You've created a thirst in me. I've seen you worship when you shouldn't worship. I've seen you praise when you shouldn't praise. I've I've heard you preach when we told you to stop. I've seen your God act. Now I want it. I want whatever it is that you have. What must I do to be saved? And here's what they said. In fact, let's read this together. If you'll put that passage up for me, guys. They replied, let's say it together. One, two, three. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Praise God. Praise God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You and your whole household. And I want to challenge you today, watching online, challenge you today, sitting in this room right now, to call upon the name of the Lord. If you don't know Jesus and you're here today and maybe something I'm saying is creating a thirst in you or something you've seen at this church or something you've seen in a friend's life has created a thirst in you and you're kind of like this jailer, man, I want to know what it is. Call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. The Bible says you'll become a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and behold, the new has come. Call upon him. Call upon him and you'll become a masterpiece. The Bible says you're you're a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. I challenge you today, sir. I challenge you today, ma'am, to call upon him as an overcomer. And you are an overcomer. I don't feel like it. Well, you are one because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done. You'll be an overcomer by the blood of the lamb, by the words of your testimony. Call upon him and become an ambassador for Christ to a lost and a dying world. God's highest ranking diplomat sent from heaven to earth. It's who you are. Come on, somebody. It's who you are. You will become salt and light as you call upon him. But you can't do it in your own strength. You're not salt. You're not light. It's Christ in you that allows you to do it. And so I just challenge you today. Call upon him and you'll never be the same. That's if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus. You're kind of in a searching mode. You're kind of seeking out, testing out this whole church thing. Let me tell you not to test out the church thing, but test out the God thing. Test out the Jesus thing. And he'll change your life forever. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're here today and you're listening to this message, let it just kind of... Tune you up a little bit today. Every now and then we have to put our car in the shop, don't we? It seems like the older my kids get, the more I have to put cars in the shop. Come on, somebody. Anyone been down that road before? I have, I have three children. with each have a vehicle now. And it's like, man, there's always something that I get a phone call for. They don't call me until they need a car fixed or something like that. And it's like, okay, we got to tune it up. We've got to fix the tires. We've got to change this. We've got to make sure it's got fluid in it. There's this thing, son, called oil. If your car doesn't have it, that's a problem, okay? We've got to tune it up a little bit without tuning him up too much. Come on, somebody. It's like, we've got to do it. Hey, I'm talking to you as followers of Jesus. Sometimes we need a pit stop. We need to tune it up just a little bit, dial it in a little bit, and get back on the track. Let's get this thing going. Let's reach this region for Jesus. Let's reach people and let's build their lives. Don't hide your light. Get the bowl off it. Rebuke the the enemy of your soul and say, I'm going to let my light shine in Jesus' name. Can I pray for you today? Let's do it. Father, we love you and we're so grateful for your word. And Lord, I'm challenged by this word about Paul and Silas, Lord, and there's moments when, when, uh, when I might say that I've had a bad day and it pales in comparison to what we just read about. Forgive us, God. 
Forgive us, Lord, when it's all about us and not about you. I'm talking to the believers that are in the room right now. God, just we repent, Father. Maybe you just need to do that yourself right where you are. Lord, I repent for having bad days and not celebrating you and praising you, God. And so, Father, I just thank you for this word. Let the conviction of the Spirit come. Let it change us. It's not condemnation. God's not whipping us today. He's encouraging us. Because of what my son did for you, because of what Jesus did for you, let your light shine. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, for that today, for each and every one of us as followers of Jesus. We're going to get the blowtorch out, kind of turn it up just a little bit. Thank you, Father, for that. And just before I'm done, with every head bowed, every eye closed, sir, ma'am, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, and what do I mean by that? I mean, you can't point to a moment in your life where you have said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need your help. I need you to be the Lord of my life. The Bible says that while you didn't care about God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you because he loved you. He died for you in your place because the wages of sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. Somebody had to pay that price and Jesus did it in your place. This is called the good news, church. And I just want to challenge you. If you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you've never asked him to forgive your sin, to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life, I'd love to pray for you right here, right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front, but I do want to know who I'm praying for. There's power in saying, yeah, that's me. That's me, okay? And so the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll see it. I'll tell you to put it down. And I'm just going to pray. I'm going to include you in that prayer. And I just challenge you, don't miss this moment. If you're questioning in your heart right now, if that's you, the answer is yes. Yes, because you can be sure of your faith. And so I just want to pray for you if that's you. If I can pray, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Let me see your hand. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? You're like, yeah, that's me. I want to do that. I want to invite Jesus. Thank you, ma'am, right here. I got you. Praise God. Anyone else? Yeah, that's me. I want to do that. I want to ask Jesus. Hey, if you're online and you're watching and you want to invite Jesus, just just include yourself in this prayer right now. I'm praying for you as well. And I'm praying for the two people in this room that just said yes to Jesus. I'm going to ask our whole church actually to pray it together. We're going to join our faith together. And if you're saying yes to Jesus at home or if you're in this room and you're saying yes to Jesus, make this your prayer right now. All of us together in our outside voices, come on, let's join our faith together. Let's pray this prayer. Everyone say, Jesus. I realize I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And so I invite Jesus to come into my heart, to forgive my sin, to wash me clean, to make me whole again. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. I love you and I'll follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. And everybody said. Come on, church. Let's welcome them to the family of God. God bless y'all.